am Michael Perlet. I am Asher Collins, and together we bring you Exercise Equals Life Podcast. So good afternoon, Kenny. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the Exercise Equals Life podcast. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. Am I the first guest? You are. I am honored and privileged. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, no, no pressure. You know, you're, you're launching the whole shebang, but no pressure whatsoever. <laughs> None taken. I mean, I, I, no. I wish you guys could have found a bigger star. could have really launched you guys into stardom, Brendan. I know. We're happy. We're happy with, with, with having you here, buddy. <laughs> so. Um, since you're the star of this production, just fill me in because honestly, you know, I'm, I'm Mike's honorary dad. So there's a 35 year age gap and I, I wasn't too swift with pop culture when I was 25. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling my way into social media, um, reality TV, all of that stuff. It's a little, it's a little wiggy for me. So I know a little bit about your background. I did some homework, but fill me in on on you, who you are, your, your background in fitness, your vision, all of that good stuff. Sure. Um, so let me start by saying I met Mike at a seminar here at my gym about a year ago now, and uh, okay. uh, I said, "What an incredible guy!" Fell in love with the guy. <laughs> so uh, it was as soon as he asked me to come on here, I, I felt honored and privileged. So I said, "I was like, yep, I'm in. I'll do it. No problem. You let me know when." Um, but for me, yeah, I, listen, I'm, I'm 39, I'll be 40 this year, and uh, I'm not as savvy as I wish I was at the internet and everything. I'm one of these old guys who missed the whole crypto thing because I really didn't understand what the fuck it was, and thank God at this point that I did. Uh, but for me, uh, I got into fitness pretty early. I was uh, pretty heavy as a kid, you know, going into high school, I was about 235 pounds, uh, okay. very unhappy with myself. And I started to look around at the people that I admired, the people I looked up to, the things that I saw on television that I was attracted to and wanted to be. Um, and I said, what are all these guys doing in common? And, you know, they were all lifting weights and working out. And, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Hulk Hogan, oh, Stallone, yeah. um, Indiana Jones. I'm like, all oh, these guys look so good. They have these muscles. Where are they getting them from? And I'm fat. I got to set of tits better than any girl in my, in my school at the time. Uh, <laughs> and I said, I was like, you know what? As soon as I get to high school, when I have a little bit more freedom in my life, I was living in Newark, New Jersey at the time in a pretty rough area. They're really at the, t uh, I mean, this is the nineties. So there weren't as many gyms, especially in that area. I don't think there still are uh, gyms in that area. Uh, but mm -hmm. for me, I was just like, all right, as soon as I have access to a gym, I'm going to start working out. And, I was lucky enough to, I would take the PATH train to school every day from Newark. And when I got off the PATH train, I used to have to walk about a mile and a half to school. And okay. when I walked through this one kind of project area, there was a little bodega there. And I used to steal magazines. I, I don't want to tell you all the types of magazines I used to steal <laughs> because you used to not have a phone and you used to have to, uh, you know, kind of come up with your own ideas when it came to certain uh, extracurricular activities. <laughs> so, but I would steal muscle magazines and comic books and all the stuff. They had like a whole news section. So I would, you know, take these magazines and stuff because at the time I couldn't afford them. And sometimes I would just rip the pages out of like workouts that I saw. It was like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's back workout or Lou Ferrigno's shoulder workout. And I'm like, oh shit, I need this. And I would take those sheets to the gym and I would go and do them. And a lot of times I'm like, fuck, it would take me like an hour and a half to get through all this shit. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. But I started to lose weight. You know, it, it was about a two year journey for me to get down to like, I went from one, uh, two thirty five, uh, and then my, by my end of my sophomore year, I was about 160 pounds. Um, wow. Yeah. So, but I loved it. I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with the idea that you can make yourself better, that you're the master of your own destiny. And I started to really get into a lot of that shit as 16, mm -hmm. 17, 18 year old. And when I, when I got to college, I was like, I really wanted to do art and design because that's kind of where my like strength lied. I have, I always love to draw and, you know, design things. That's kind of why I have a t-shirt line and why I wanted to do strong and stuff. But for me, I was just like, all right, but I love exercise. I love helping. I love the idea of, um, you know, staying in shape and doing all these things. And then I got on television, which gave me more reason to kind of get into better shape and get myself stronger. And I always said, I was like, I'm going to keep it natural and stay in, 
shape as long as I possibly can. And, um, mm -hmm. So it, it kind of put me on this trajectory towards the gym. And I was, I had a regular job. I used to work at Port Newark, which is a, uh, for a shipping company down in uh, the Newark Elizabeth area in Jersey. And I hated it. I would, you know, leave work. And most guys who start down there, you know, live down there and they retire down there. Uh, for me, yep. I just always felt like I was meant for so much more. And I'd look, I'd just kind of sit on the pier and look at New York and I'm like, I just need to go there and do something. Um, so I started, I had like a short little modeling career. I was coming in and doing that stuff. And I would do like, um, I would go on like commercial stuff. I did a bunch of commercials in my early twenties and stuff. And then, but I fell in love with the gym and that's where like my heart lied. I would miss work to go to the gym. I would miss auditions to go to the gym. Um, you know, I would miss out on going out with friends cause I wanted to go to the gym. I was like, this is what I want to do. I was like, I just need a job in the gym. And it kind of took a lot for me to suck up my pride and, you know, having been on television and making all this money and shit, I had to kind of take a step back and clean up weights at an Equinox in 2009 when I was still on television, you know, um, mm -hmm. and get my balls broke all the time. It's like, oh, what, MTV doesn't pay that well? Why you had, uh, why are you cleaning up weights at an Equinox? But I was like, this is kind of, and this, this is what I kind of annoys me about what people, what happens to people today, because they don't really need to go through that grind process anymore, right? That, that rite of passage. I think that's what it was for me. I was like, you know, I, I need to go through this shit stage now. I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. I need to learn. I need to understand what the fuck I'm doing. So I had to start from the ground floor. Whereas nowadays I feel like people, you know, if you happen to have abs or a good ass, you just put that up on social media and everybody thinks you're a fucking expert. Um, so, you know, I went through that process and I opened my first gym in 2012 and then, uh, sold my shares of that kind of went to a whole lawsuit with my old partners and shit, which was a fucking nightmare. Um, came back to the city, uh, worked with these guys on building one of the biggest CrossFit gyms in the world, which was, a, a gym on 32nd and park Avenue. I ran that place for a while, kind of created a lot of the systems and the, the programs that we had over there. Uh, pandemic mm -hmm. happened. Um, in the interim of all this, I worked with Reebok and um, Under Armour and, you know, you name it. I got a lot of cool opportunities. I'm still with Michelob Ultra as an ambassador for them. been a health and wellness ambassador for Michelob Ultra for six years now. I worked with Reebok for about six years. Um, I did some stuff with, uh, you know, Infinity. I worked with them for a little bit. So I, I had a lot of really cool experiences. Um, and I was a master trainer for Techno Gym, did a bunch of traveling and stuff with them. Um, but when the pandemic happened, everything fell apart and everybody had to try to figure out what their next step was. And for me, I, I love training. I, I enjoy being on the floor. And when I hear trainers say, Oh, I don't want to be on the floor. I'm like, well, then you're not really a fucking trainer. You're more of a, you know, you, you want to be more of a celebrity then, and you should go do that and stop fucking telling people you're a trainer. But for me, I was, uh, I enjoy training people. And I went out to the park and took a couple kettlebells, a TRX and, uh, medicine ball and went out to the park and started training myself. And I had people start hitting me up. And this was, I think they closed down New York, March 16th of 2020 by March 17th yep. of 2020, I was out in the park and I'm like, listen, on Friday, which was two days before that I was with the same four clients that I have, who are all still stuck in the city. And they're like, I just saw you. I don't think anything's changed in our lives. So let's just fucking start working out. And that's what we did. And four became, 14 and then 24 and then 64 at one point. Um, and I was doing these workouts in the park and I saved up enough money doing all these workouts in the park, not having really any overhead, uh, mm. having the overhead of a gym or anything. And I opened up the space in, um, October of 2021 and that's where okay. I'm at today. And where are you now? Uh, so I have my own gym on 28th and fifth Avenue called the strength club. Okay. And I've had that since uh, last October. Beautiful. Very nice. So do you, are, are you, and by the way, before I say this, I, I respect both anecdotal learning and academic learning. I, I kind of reap the benefit of both. Um, so are you credentialed via academics or is it really just that your expertise came from trial and error on yourself? And by the way, before I progress any further, um, I, I'm an ex-fatty our, our, our teen trajectory is very similar. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people like, I know I talked to, um, uh, Gunnar Peterson and, you know, a, a handful of other guys who were all like fat guys who were like, you know, I just want to be in shape and stay in shape. And that's kind of how it all happens. 
But you know something? I, I, I kind of think that that has its own reward for two reasons. One, you never take it for granted yep. again. I'm like you. I literally came from, uh, I was five foot eight and 220 pounds, and I looked like a very angry Eric Cartman. <laughs> and I probably was a pretty angry Eric Cartman. And then I shot up to six foot two at the same time I was training and dieting. And I changed so much from sophomore to junior year that the girl who was sitting in front of me, who'd blown me off for two years, literally turned, gave me a big smile and said, hi, where'd you transfer in from? And I'm like, I've been right the hell behind you for two years. <laughs> um, but, you know, on, on, in the bigger picture, it it made me want to do this for a bunch of other people too. And it also, to be very blunt about it, it probably, if I had been born six foot two and blonde and blue eyed and with a six pack and blah, 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 I'm probably wouldn't have been as nice a guy. Yeah. And you know what I, I always say is that it makes us one more human, two more relatable and three more empathetic towards everyone. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I, when somebody comes to me and they're like, I feel like shit, you know, I'm unhappy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I know exactly how you feel. Like I, I remember I like it was fucking yesterday. Honestly, there are very yep. few memories. I have, if you ask my assistant, she tells me all the time I have the fucking worst memory in the world, uh, which I do, but there are very few things I remember very vividly. And I remember being 13 years old and looking in the mirror and fucking hating what I saw. Like I was disgusted by what I saw. And I was like, I did this and I didn't blame anybody but myself. I was like, I did this to myself and now I need to figure out how to get out of it. So Circling back to my original question, because we could do this at that part all day. I agree a thousand percent with everything yeah. you said. Your 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 background, your expertise. Where do you feel you got most of it from? From certifications, from it was anecdotal or a combination. Of I both? think a combination of both, right? Like I go to, I mean, I go to seminars all the time. I have a ton of seminars on my gym. Just like this weekend, I have uh, Coach Darius. Uh, he's coming up to do a kettlebell shirt at my gym next month. I have. Matt Wenning, Joe DeFranco, and uh, Zach Evanesh coming up and doing a seminar. And I kind of pitch people. Uh, I'm ha I just got off the phone yesterday with Mike Isertel. Uh, I have him coming to the gym. Uh, I I'm very on the forefront of like what's going on next. I like to be. I like to see what other people are doing if it makes sense to me. Uh, Absolutely. So I kind of fall in love with it. Uh, I have um, David Weck coming up and doing his shirt here in March. Um, so I, and then I have the Landmine University. I don't know if you guys heard of it, but I had him here a year ago when everybody was kind of shitting on it and being like, that's so stupid. I still have people being like, why do you do that stuff? I love it. I think it makes perfect sense to me, the whole spinal engine theory and, you know, uh, movement for athletes and teaching people, somebody who came from the CrossFit world, I, I was in CrossFit for 10 plus years. Um, you know, it's very hard to get people to understand how to move with a barbell, you know, clean and jerks and snatches and things. I mean, it takes a lifetime to learn that stuff. And especially if you're a 30, 40, 50 year old person who doesn't know how to move very well or never played a sport, it's very hard to pick up on. So doing it with one hand with a landmine is far easier to teach and get people to move well and get them more confident under a barbell than it is to do it with both hands doing it in the Olympic it's, it's, so, No, you... you yeah. So for me, I mean, listen, being on the gym floor, I mean, I'll do eight to 10 sessions a day, you know, for the last 10 years of my life, you know, I'm, I'm exactly. always in the gym. So yes, getting reps underneath my belt has helped me a ton, uh, but also mm -hmm. learning from the people that I, I see, you know, I've done John Rustin's cert three or four times. I've done Mike Boyle's cert two or three times. Um, you know, the, the, I, you know, kind of genuflect in front of the, the old school guys. I love them. I mean, obviously there's a lot of new cutting edge stuff and there's a lot of people who are understanding, um, you know, hypertrophy a little bit differently and mm -hmm. biomechanics a little bit differently. Like I, I work with some young guys as well. Uh, Ben Yannis, who's a uh, kid here in the city, who's really into uh, hypertrophy and uh, biomechanics and basically, uh, kinesiology and stuff and he's got a really good understanding of it and i work with him once a week to understand like you know where his thought process goes so i mm -hmm. i'm always a student in the game and that's what i love about the industry as well it's like if you're willing to learn there's so many people willing to teach you and i always stay very humble about it and i want to learn more and uh i can only teach myself so much so exactly, exactly. this weekend i'm going to the la fit expo 
Um, in a couple weeks from now, I'm going to go to, uh, there's another one in uh, Dallas that I'm going to. So I try to chase after as much education as I possibly can. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's genius. That, that's highly important, right? You're not only educating yourself by attending all these various certification seminars, traveling to LA for the expo, but you're hosting certifications and seminars for, you know, the personal training, um, the, the worker in the industry. Yeah, you're soaking things in. So just a little background. I mean, I'm a, uh, an occupational therapist. So in prior incarnations, I was a trainer. And when I needed to reinvent, I looked at PT and I have nothing but the highest respect for really talented physical therapists, but I opted to go in this direction because it's application of strength and range of motion, as opposed to just the creation of strength and range of motion. And I shouldn't shake those, but you take my point. Yeah. But um, I, I completely connect with what you're saying in that it all feeds into a passion. I think the three of us have for health and fitness in general. And you're a student for life. And if you're not, you're going to suck. Yep, I agree. Whether you're on the healthcare side or the pure fitness lifestyle side, if you're not constantly questioning your capacity and trying to hone it, you're mediocre. I agree. hundred percent. You can't be good. Like I, I truly believe that like nowadays, because the field is so competitive and everyone's, um, you know, at your fingertips, right? You could get in touch with anybody you want around the world at any moment. So you can't just be good anymore. You have to be great at what you do. Correct. Yep. Correct. Um, you have to be able to serve any clientele who really walks through your door. Exactly. You're not going to be that perfect avatar who is, you know, a perfect model. Mm -hmm. I 100% I agree. Like, that's why I'm thinking about doing, I, I'd like to get a certification in massage therapy because I think physical therapy is there's so much crossover between physical therapy and being a trainer, right? Like there's a lot yes, of stuff. I've gone to see physical therapists. I'm like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Cause I know trainers who understand this a little bit better than you do. Not to say that yeah. there aren't great physical therapists out there. I've worked with some really great physical therapists, but even the best physical therapists I worked with are like, don't even waste your time with school. It's very outdated. You don't need it. You're better off going to learn from this person, this person, this person, this person. And that's kind of what I've done. I've worked with a lot of great physical therapists who are like, follow this guy, do this guy's course, go do this guy. And that's how some of these great physical therapists are making a boatload of money by doing certifications. They're like, well, I'm going to teach people the right way to do things. And I think that uh, side hustle for them has been more lucrative and it's also been more beneficial for the people who are willing to learn. Yeah, no, certifications are huge. And I think it kind of plays into the population you have to deal with. So um, I guess, I mean, you're working with the general population, but who specifically are you working with at the strength club? Uh, you know, I would say, so I have three tiers of the way I kind of bring in clients. One is a class setting, which has always been my bread and butter since I was at Equinox. You know, I've always been lucky enough, God willing, to just shoot people straight and pack out classes. So I have a lot of group classes. Last night I had a group of, you know, 20 people. Uh, tonight I'll have another group of 20 people and it'll be, uh, you know, I try to keep it to a small group, but it's been getting pretty popular. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. It's a good problem to have as of recently. Yeah. Um, but uh, primarily I'll do private training most of the day. Um, but, you know, just by word of mouth, people kind of find me and I have two, uh, three trainers who actually work underneath me, um, who really help me out. And I kind of teach them the way I like to do things and the way my clients like to have things. Um, so that's been a, a blessing. Um, but it, it's more normal. You know, I have a couple celebrity clients, but they're normal people too, right? I just had one of my clients in here who's pretty well known and he is the most normal down to earth fucking cool guy. You know, I, I love just kind of shooting the shit with them and working with them um, because he's he's somebody I would hang out with in school mm -hmm. and college. You know, he was like, he's just like a buddy, um, you know, and the biggest of stars. Right. I, I've realized like the bigger the celebrity I've gotten to work with, the more down to earth and normal and genuine people they are. And it's the people who are like fucking only fans, girls and. Uh, bullshit models on social media and stuff are the worst people to work with because they think they have clout that they really don't have. 
No, yeah, that's true. So. It, it kind of circles around a, a uh, an area that's near there to our heart. What I would like to see, what Michael would like to see, um, you know, he's an exercise physiologist. As I said, I'm an OT. I work with PTs. I work, so, you know, in outpatient. Mm -hmm. So I've worked in acute, subacute inpatient, and now outpatient. What I had never really met or, or spoken to an exercise physiologist before. I met Michael, and I was blown out as a clinician by his level of knowledge. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is not a you know a an easy Mickey Mouse. You know, it took me 24 months degree, and I'm like, why? Why aren't you, why aren't you, why isn't this profession taking its place with nursing, physical therapy, occupational 100%. therapy? 100%. And then in addition to that, I can tell you there's a gap in healthcare. There's a lot of gaps in healthcare, but the one that I smack into all the time is what happens to you when you're done with outpatient, right? You've had an event, you're in the hospital, that's your acute care, then if it, if it requires it, you're in subacute inpatient, you're getting your rehabs there, you leave, thank God you're out of the hospital, now you're an outpatient, and then you fall off a cliff. Yep. And you go right back, because you don't know what you did wrong to begin with, they got you sick to begin with, and it's just this vicious cycle. So in talking to Michael over the last couple of months and in deciding to do this podcast, what we're hoping is that our two worlds collide to be cliche i would love fitness and lifestyle and education to work hand in glove with those of us on the community level if you will of healthcare to create a net that catches all these people that are falling off a cliff and go hey like okay this happened and sometimes things happen randomly you got a car accident or a disease process that you know wasn't lifestyle driven but predominantly what we're running into is lifestyle driven problems and if we kind of circle our wagons and join forces on both sides of this i think we're going to be creating a completely different american gen pop because something's got to give here there's a ton of two things conflicting information which is actually some of it's actually legitimate it just sounds conflicting to a layperson, and some of it's just junk a ton of it is just mm -hmm. junk so if we could figure out a methodology to get them out of outpatient and into the hands of a really solid fitness professional, I just think some, some serious magic would be going well, on. Let me tell you my story on all that and the, why I came to the conclusions I've come to. Um, so a couple of years ago, back in 2000. 10, 2011, I tore my pec, right? I was doing muscle ups. I was doing a CrossFit workout and I t tore my pec. And at mm -hmm. the time I didn't really have good insurance. I was going through a lawsuit with my gym. I was kind of broke. So I waited a week, a uh, month before I went to the doctor and I was like, fuck it. I think I tore my bicep because my arm was just black and blue. Um, I went to a physical therapist who I was friends with at the time. And he's like, flex your chest. And when I flexed my chest, my chest was basically rolled up into the middle of my body, right? Right, right. across my sternum. Um, so he's like, dude, you should have that looked at. So I go to yeah. a doctor at um, Mount Sinai, and he, they, everybody says he's the best, uh, you know, the best guy for any type of surgery like this, any muscle tears or anything. He works with a bunch of these athletes and all this shit. I go in, he repairs my pec, supposedly. Um, about three weeks later, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, my anterior delt is like completely missing, right? So, yeah. So I go, I go back to the doctor and I say to him, I go, where the fuck is my anterior delt? Like, why, why am I missing this? And he's like, the look he gave me of shock and misunderstanding. He's like, whoa, that's weird. I go, that's weird. That's what the fucking doctor is going to say to me. That's fucking weird. Now I know. That's yeah. So now I know this doctor went through some trauma zone. Supposedly I heard later on that he had lost a child or something, whatever the case may be. But in the interim of this guy going through shit, I now still live 12 years later with half a fucking chest and half a fucking shoulder. Um, but regardless, 
I, I didn't have the money for rehab. He was sending like, he's like, you know, you should go see this one, go see that one. And I'm going to see these doctors. I'm spending the last little bit of money I have. And they're giving me fucking bullshit electric stim. And they, you know, they're rubbing my shoulder and all this stuff. I did more with just doing, you know, the, the little level of knowledge that I had at the time of physical therapy and uh, strength training and uh, hypertrophy. I kind of mashed it all together and kept trying different stuff. And at first I couldn't straighten out my elbow because my elbow was locked up for six weeks. Then to integrate my shoulder with my elbow and get extension through my lat and everything was very hard. So I had to work on that for a long time. So over time I, I worked on a lot of this stuff and kind of taught myself how to get full range of motion in my shoulder back. I'd say three years later, I ended up snatching 225 pounds and I was fucking doing handstands and everything else. So I rehabbed myself back. Part of my thing was, had I have listened to, and you know, I had just given this story on Saturday. Um, I was told when I was 16 years old, I got dropped in my head in a wrestling match um, that I would never be able to wrestle or work out again. And then I was told the same thing uh, a couple years later because I was on a television show and I fucked up my shoulder pretty good. And they told me I should stop working out and stop doing these shows and stop doing all the bullshit that I'm doing. And then when I tore my pack, this doctor was telling me, he's like, well, don't, just don't put your arms up over your head anymore and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's not never going to fucking fly. And so through all this of me being just a relentless asshole and just not taking no for an answer, here I am over 20 years later from the first injury and just not listening to physicians about what they believe I should do because they want to live this kind of normal lifestyle. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to create an event where I got doctors, nutritionists, trainers, physicians, uh, you know, cooks, whatever, whoever is in and around the fitness industry under one roof in New York city and make an event of it and show you how like the best of the best people are all saying the same thing. Like every doctor that I still work with to this day will never tell me because they know how I am. And I, I think they have the same mindset. That's why we get along so well is that you should never stop moving because movement is what's going to create blood flow to that area and help out the most. You know, if you, you follow people now, like, it's like, oh, put ice on it, put ice on it. But it's in that valley. It's like you need to move the area as much as possible so you can get blood flow and oxygen to that area to, to help it heal faster. Um, so I think this stupid idea of, hey, sit around and don't do anything and rest, rest, rest. It's like, no, you don't have to put the same amount of um, work on that joint or that body part or whatever it may be. But, you know, get it moving. Do something. Create blood flow. So for me, it's like, yeah, that's why I created Strong New York was because I wanted to get the best of the best people all in the same room and get everybody understanding that this is yeah. this is the new way of thinking. Everybody should move. Everybody. That was a huge, yeah. That was a massive success. The event you pulled off back in October. I appreciate that. Just from the guest speakers alone, and you know all the activities you had, it really made a sense of what human movement is. Not even performance, but you know, we should perform well in our lives. And you hit every nail on the head during that, that conference. You know something that we're, we're, we're like in a, in a new era, you know, in my opinion of like, you just said, um, Kenny, that, that there's a lot of people from a lot of different disciplines and backgrounds who are coming to the same conclusion that we're, we're all really smart. We're all really hardworking. We all know like our niche stuff really well but we need to start communicating and interacting at a much higher and much more effective level both for the injured if you will the the ill population and the preventative aspects yeah. of this as well as elite athletes but like i feel like we're in a completely new um the the birth of a new paradigm where people are like no 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 screw staying in your lane that's not working yeah you know, let's like, what do you do exactly? And then you synthesize with what I do and bang, the person that you're both treating, if you will, gets a much better result. I'm with you. Like, I refuse to be busted. You know, I'm 60 years old. I do everything that I did 30 years ago. And that's not a small thing. Dude, um, I, you know, I, I had a bicep tendon repair surgery. I got a little something going on with my right shoulder that I'm going to get checked out this year. But fundamentally, I'm intact and I'm intact because I never crapped out and gave up on it. 
And that's my message on the healthcare side of things to all of my patients who oftentimes are very defeatist. You're like, oh, I'm 43 years old. And I'm like, yeah, I'm 60. Get the hell out of that chair. Let's roll. Yeah. And what does that mean? I'm 43. <laughs> I, I tell people all the time, everybody's like, you're making such a big deal about being turning 40. You're making such a big deal about being, turning 40. I was like, here's why. When I was 20 and I met a 40-year-old, they were fat, out of oh, shape, yeah. gave up on life. They looked like fucking hell. Yep. And I go, I'm yep. 40 and I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. And I want to show people Correct. that because you have a family or because you have kids or because you hit a certain age doesn't mean you give up on life because then you become miserable. You come to depressed it's like i always use the example of my 600 pound life right you ever watch that show and the, all those people have the same personalities in common right they're all depressed they all feel like shit they're yep. all crying in a basement they're all overweight and it's an extreme form of what you do when you fall apart and what you do when you stop trying i want everybody Correct. to continue to try i don't give a fuck what you do if you're doing zumba if you're doing crossfit if you're doing marathons do something that makes your life a little bit better on a daily basis. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's a continuation no. of you continuing to move. Continue, like, this is the best analogy I've come up with, and I want people to steal this and just say I came up with it. If your body, if we could all agree that the, the human body is made up of 70% water, right? And if I leave a glass of water out long enough and don't move it, right, bacteria builds up on it, you start to get a filament on top, it starts to build, you know, uh, starts to get stagnant on top. But if you come over and you shake up the water and, you know, move it around a little bit, right, it kind of clears itself up a little bit, right? There, that's, that shit's still there, but if you shake it up and continue to move it, it's not going to become a stagnant. So I tell people all the time, it's like, think of your body. If, you, if, you, if we could all agree that it's 70% water, and if I shake it up and move it around a little bit, well, then that water becomes just a little bit healthier, right? So shake yep. it up, move it around. Do whatever the fuck it is because I always tell people it's not what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. It's like the intensity level you move at. It's 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 funny. I'm hearing, I'm hearing my own thoughts coming out of you. So I'm telling yeah. you we're, we're tapping it literally almost word for word in certain instances where like the the excitement because we can do something is there. And at the same time, the frustration that it's taken us to this point before we all realize if we're working and pulling on the same rope together this is going to be phenomenal. So this forum that you've created is something that I definitely want to get more involved oh, in. For sure. I'd love to have you. I mean, this, this is exact. I'm literally hearing my words come out of your mouth. Yeah. And listen, I, and here's my thing with it too, right? I, I don't have all the answers. I'm not an expert, but I know the people that I respect and the people I look up to and the people who, you know, kind of been guiding me and I listen to them and I'm like, ooh, that, and a lot of times it's like, no, I don't know the ins and outs of it, it or how to explain it the best way. But when I hear it, I'm like, that's it. That's what I'm looking yep. for. That, that, well, you know, I think you know what the end product is, right? What you, what you hope to accomplish. Yeah. And it's really just making the connections and establishing the methodologies to, to achieve it. And the resources, like I, I once heard a great definition of what it is to be a pro. It doesn't matter what your field or, or your, your business is. A pro knows what he or she knows, mm -hmm. what they don't know, and where to go find yes. out. And that's really what we're talking about, the creation of an interdisciplinary resource where you're like, you know something? That is not what I do. But Kenny does that really well. Let me pick up a phone, blah, blah, blah. You know, so that... We got to grow this, you guys. Like, there has to be a way of all of us through these events and not losing track of each other when we meet through even this, you know, so that, that we know where to find each other and help either the client or the patient get what they absolutely need. Because, man, nobody wants to be sick. We've all been sick. We've all, we've all had our, our injuries. You if you're in your right mind, that's not what you want. So, I mean, I'm all about preventative and staying in shape is the number one preventative thing you can do to give yourself an excellent quality of life. hundred percent. You know something? And I just started what I am. I like you, I talk about being 60 a lot because I want people to look at me and go, Oh crap. That's 60. Yeah. 60 can be jacked natural. Yeah. 60 can be fit. 60 can run up an escalator instead of standing there bored out of my mind, waiting for it to hit the top. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a it's 
I, I just want to put a kill shot in the defeatism that is just in the general population about on X amount of years, I have to be in this amount of decrepitude. Yeah. No, I... You know, so by the time you hit me, you're on five meds, you know. It, it's a question of what is working versus what's not working. Well, I love the... Um, what's his name? Uh, Mind Pump, right? And he put it really well. Uh, the guy Sal from Mind Pump, he was saying... He yeah. goes, listen, there's no, there's not a huge difference between 20, uh, between two 30 year olds who like one of them works out and one of them doesn't. Right. And there right. might not be too many health risks between the two of them. He goes, what? Fast forward 30 years. Right. You know, you're now you're 60. And he goes, the difference between a healthy six year old who's been working out his whole life and taking care of himself versus a six yep. year old who doesn't do anything is two different stories. Like I remember my dad passed away in 2019 and my dad's the same age as Elton John. And I, that year my dad was pretty sick and I took my mom to the Elton John to the farewell tour and we're, we're sitting there and I said, isn't it funny, you know, dad's in the hospital and he's basically on his deathbed and here's a guy who's the same age dancing and singing on stage in front of 25,000 25, people. I go, it's exactly. just the way they live their lives. My dad was one of these people who kind of gave up at 40 years old he's like i got a wife or kids i don't need to exercise him i used to break his balls all the time and he'd make fun of me he's like oh you're always at the gym you're a wimp blah blah, blah all this shit and i used to say to him i'm like yeah but if you took care of yourself you'd be able to do stuff he's like and my dad was one of these guys who was in vietnam and he's like you know i worked out all through the 60s and 70s and i'm like yeah but you don't stop after that exactly and you know something i think that's a bit of a guy thing kenny like guys are really good we're really good at taking care of stuff houses, cars, people, families. I, you know, my father, same thing. He had a heart attack at 42. We put him in the ground at 50. Thanks a lot, dad. Now you're gone. I'm 20. Yeah. Um, like I, I, in, in my opinion, as a gender, I know I'm going to get pilloried for this, but guys do not take care of themselves particularly well. And some of it's self-inflicted wounds like that you couldn't I, look i know plenty of guys my age who are in shit shape and you couldn't get them to move with a stick of dynamite i'm like okay fine now now you're reaping the reward you're on 100 pills you got stents in your chest yada 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 the guy you made fun of that would be me um doesn't so i guess i was right it's almost like a need to conform to just society right just what is out there it's almost easier just to follow the path that was there in front of you exactly and, and i think we have to be on the forefront of changing that paradigm yeah by letting people know, like, you know, you don't have to fall apart. You just don't. You don't. Stuff is going to happen. Shit's going to happen. Traumas, you know, physical or otherwise are going to occur. But your recovery from them will be enhanced exponentially if you're already in shape going into it. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think, um, I think you know, with everything going on and I think the, the understanding that people have now about how important it is i t i tell people two years ago i woke up right during the pandemic it was about two three weeks into that pandemic and i woke up and i was like my back's killing me i couldn't move and it progressively got worse over two years i went to go see six different specialists nerve specialists back specialists um you know all these voodoo fucking doctors who were trying to help me out and you know every every doctor that I went to go see is like, you need surgery, you need surgery, you need to cut your back open. And I just knew in my heart of hearts, I'm like, this isn't a structural issue. And I know so many people out there because as soon as I started sharing the story and putting it up on social media, I'd have so many people reaching out to me about back pain that they have. I've been suffering for two years, five years, 10 years with back pain. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, don't rush and get surgery. Try to figure out a different way. You know, I kind of worked through it and I, it, it sucked for a long time. And I really thought for a long time I wasn't going to be able to fucking get out of this because that's how bad the pain was. And then this past mm -hmm. November, I ran the New York City Marathon. It wasn't much of a run. It was my worst time ever. But after two years of severe fucking back pain and not being able to get up out of a chair and just wearing slip-on shoes for eight, nine months, um, you know, I was able to keep moving. And that's the one thing I did. The one... If you ask me the one thing that I fucking did right was I just kept moving every day. Even when it felt like shit and I didn't want to do it, I'd move. And that's what I tell people to do. Just fucking move, you know? And a lot of the other stuff will kind of fall into place. But... So it eventually self-resolved, I mean, more or less? I, listen, I'm not a fucking 100%, but I'm pretty close yeah. to it. Like, I just deadlifted. I did some squats and stuff. 
Like there was a point where I couldn't even bend over to pick, you know, my phone up off the ground. If I dropped it, which I, right, right, I have right. to like lay down to go pick it up. You know, something, the body's an amazing thing. It wants to yeah. do well. It will heal itself. So what do you think is like going forward? What do you think is the best mechanisms to connect all of us together? Who get this? Because this is definitely a new mindset, but it's a groundswell. Like, I, I'm the last person to know how to use social media, but I'm I'm finding utility for like these podcasts now. Like, we've, what do you think is the best way to sort of create this resource, if you will? Uh, different well, different ways for so, people to locate so each other. This is my thing. So with the with my the event like what i was trying to do just because i was like well this doesn't exist so i need to kind of just create it instead of waiting for somebody else to create it I, i've just always been that way like even with my gym i was like i'm not going to wait for the perfect gym to come around i'll just kind of create my own if people like it they can come if they don't fuck off but um with the event i wanted to create this event in new york city right everybody looks for fashion week is in new york city the new york food and wine festival right. in new york city and um you know, we have Comic-Con comes to New York City and it's this, you put everybody in this world under one roof, right? Anybody who's into comic books and movies and TV and all that shit all comes to Comic-Con, right? You got 200,000 mm-hmm. people that show up. And I go, if people, if they could get 200,000 people to show up for comic books, I could get 5,000 people to show up for fitness and wellness. And it's just, you know, obviously every year I kind of self-fund the thing so I don't have a ton of money behind me and... You know, I kind of piece it together with me and a, a few other people. But I want to make it an event where every year people look forward to it. And we have, you know, people are launching books from there and people are connecting from there. I mean, you know, Mike, Mike could tell you, like, that's what I want it to be. It's, it's not just about, like, who's presenting. It's about who's there and how do I connect with them and how do we make this a real thing? How do we make this something that people look forward to? Like, this year I'm already, like, working on a food component to it, right? I want to make it where people are excited yeah. to come and either learn how to cook or try new foods or try different brands or, you know, launch a book from it or uh, a, an app or whatever it may be. I want it to happen there. You know what? Sitting here listening to you, it, it occurs to me, this is highly fundable. Um, I want to work with you on this. I honestly think if we put this in the hands of some gifted uh, grant writers. Yeah. This is a fundable event. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, every when I pitched it to different brands, like, so this year we had about 30 brands there. When I pitched it, no one told me no. No one was like, no, I don't right. want to be a part of this. They're like, all right, let us figure right. out funding. Let us try to figure this out. And we had, you know, if I reached out to 40 brands, 30 of them showed up, you know, and it was, and it was only lack of funding and like the end of the year that people couldn't pull it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. that's totally understandable. Um, I was actually thinking about this and I think you may be on board with this as being a proponent of the education within the fitness and exercise field, correct? Yep. Maybe even bringing a little bit more of an educational aspect to it. So involving the student population, right? Of the local colleges, whether it's Rutgers, uh, Columbia, Montclair State, your, your alma mater as well. But having the students do like a poster presentation section inside the facility well, so what we were trying to do this year so we had someone actually reach out to us from nyu and we were giving them a student discount so like if tickets were 100 bucks they were like 50 bucks for students and we okay. were you know we had someone contact us and you know we were chatting with them and I, I forget how it all kind of fell apart i don't remember what happened but we were supposed to get like 100 students from uh nyu but we're, we're definitely going to reach out to the schools this time to try to get Absolutely. Um, a lot more of the local schools. And Mike, that's why I asked you the other day when I texted you, I was like, hey, I was like, do you want to get involved? Because that's kind of something I would put you in charge of, of like, all right, how do we contact these schools and say, hey, we're doing this educational piece. This is a great way for younger students to get out of the classroom and understand what's really going on in the field from people who've been doing it for X amount of years. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And even kind of correlates well with the the role I just was asked to lead for the National Strength and Conditioning Association of New Jersey, being the director for uh, abstracts from local schools to put out our clinic event in May. Yeah. So 
No, it can definitely go hand in hand. Do you have any dates picked out for this you could pitch? Um, so we're, I'm waiting to hear back from Chelsea Piers. I'm working with them on uh, okay. the last couple weekends in September or the first weekend in October. So I'm trying to juggle that around, try to figure that out. Um, right, right, right. So, I, th- I think it's genius, and I honestly think it's, it's going to grow exponentially. And absolutely, uh, we need to, to be looking at alternative sources of yeah. funding. It's like really sexy money because you don't have to pay it back, you know, but there's, there's such a strong educational component in all of this. I can't imagine that it isn't fundable across populations. Yeah, and you know what, like even this year, like flying in the, uh, the talent and putting them up and stuff. I mean, that stuff all gets pretty expensive. And there are some people, uh, you know, who were really very generous with their time and stuff. And, but there are other people in academia. I don't want to name names, but literally the people who are teachers, right? All the trainers and doctors that I had reached out to were like, no problem, I'll do it. Any teacher that I wrote, reached out to that has like either a book or some sort of clout within the educational space, they all wanted to get paid. And I'm like, I don't, I really, I'm, I'm telling you, here's, here's my budget. This is what I have that I could put on a credit card. And there's no money. I, there's no funding for this thing. Um, so I said to them, I was like, I'll, I'll personally, out of my, fucking Venmo sends you $5,000. And it was still like a back and forth stuff. And it was, it's a local teacher here in New York. And I was like, and she's pretty well known. She's, she has a, she did a Ted talk and she has a book and all this stuff. And I really love what she talks about, but she was giving me such a fucking hard time about money. And I'm like, isn't this what you do? You know, the, like, isn't this like if somebody asks, so I'm going in a couple of weeks to go do some stuff with Nicola, like any opportunity that I get that I think could, potentially help other people and help my, you know, what I do and my message, then I'm like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about the money. Like I'm, I'm not, the $5,000 is going to fucking make or break my business. No. And you know something, there's, there's an element, you know, if you claim to be expert at anything, there's an element of altruism to it. Like you said, there's a give back to it. And as long as you're driving a decent car and sleeping on clean sheets and there's food in the fridge, you're in a position, however great or small, to start giving back. So as an old guy, I would say stop throwing bricks at that window and, and you know, let's hunt down some people who yeah. get it, who are in academia, who are a big noise, who realize that they are in a certain sphere where they can afford to say, sure, I can do that and I'll give you back my feet. Don't worry yeah. about it. It's almost like we're going to have to source from the younger crowd. I mean, we have these older professors who, I mean, by gosh, they know all, all the educational knowledge, but they're not willing to share because um, the game is changing. It's not w- what education used to be. I mean, I'm lucky enough to call myself a professor at Montclair State. God knows how that happened, but I do lead two courses over there. And, you know, progressing into the role of a, a future PhD, uh, I do want to provide education beyond the classroom through multi multifacets. So I understand it, Kenny. You know, I'm going to reach out to people that I know, my own alma mater from Dominican University. Um, there's, there, It's like anything that we were talking about earlier. People are accessible. We just got to sort of hunt out and sniff out the right people who get it, who actually get it, who'd be like, yeah, don't sweat it. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. You know what I mean? They're out there. But I, I think what you've done under your own you know, auspices, your, your own effort, your own money is incredible. But that's what I'm saying. I, I, I think you and me and Michael and other people who get it should really start to make this as big as we possibly can because it does, it needs to be as big as it possibly can be. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know? You know, and like, listen, uh, it, I mean, New York City is the heartbeat of the world. I truly believe that. That's why I moved here. That's why I can't live anywhere else because everything happens here. The biggest events and the biggest, uh, you know, things in music and television and culinary and fashion all happen here in New York City. Why wouldn't we have the biggest fitness event as well? A thousand percent. In actuality, like everybody's like, dude, there are no fitness events in New York. So that's why I wanted to create this event where it's like everything's here, right? We're, We're making it happen right here in New York. How many years have you been doing this I, now? The first one I did was in 2015. I had 50 people in a basement, and it was just kind of a thrown-together concept of like, hey, this is what I'd like to start doing. And Reebok had sponsored, because I was with them at the time, um, 
I was working mm-hmm. with Reebok. They sponsored the first couple. So they gave me like 10 grand. They're like, do what you need to do with it. So I brought people in and, you know, fed everybody. So this will be your eighth year. Yeah. Yep. Well, I missed, we missed all of uh, 20. Well, right, right. Yeah. So that kind of set us back a little bit, but. Well, look where you are. That's a hell of a venue. Chelsea Piers is yeah. awesome. It was it was it was pretty special. It was a really cool event. Like when I walked in there, I was like, "Holy fuck! I can't believe we put this off." <laughs> no, no, no. That, that that place from from the day they opened their doors, it's just cool. So. But the but the actual event you you held, Kenny, it sold out pretty yeah. much. I mean, we were. I was only looking to sell a thousand tickets. We had you know a little over eight hundred, which I was very happy with. Um, there happened to be like four or five other events on happening on that day, but I feel like. It, had if we picked any other day, we would have probably, you know, got well over a thousand people. But it was, it still worked out. It was oh. great. And again, like, obviously, less. I'd love to make money off it. You know, it's kind of my brainchild. But at the same time, I did this to create something that I thought was missing from what I do. And you know something, honestly, that comes. If, if you just do the work and you're doing, you know, you're doing it because you're passionate about it, success comes, yeah. monetary success. It does. I don't know how that works. I'm not like a, you know, a granola guy. <laughs> but when you stop worrying about the money, like if you do something just for the money, we've all done stuff just for the money. It's, it comes in a buck at a time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But when you're just like, you know what? I give a damn about this. I want to do this. I believe in this. Bang. It seems like it gets unstuck and, and the rest sort of takes care of itself. Fundability starts happening. The right people start saying yes. So, I mean, I, I have complete faith in this. I really I do. Appreciate it. What, what's the best way to contact uh, you? Either, you know, social media or, you know, I could give you my, my email is uh, Kenny at strong New uh, So okay. you can obviously always reach me there. And then obviously any, anything that I get a, kind of forward it all to my assistant she kind of grooms it through but you could text me too i mean mike's got my number we put us all on a text mic and we'll we'll chat perfect yeah no it's perfect listen it has been a complete pleasure thank you so much and i can't believe the 51 minutes and 54 seconds (laughs) (laughs) has gone by but this this has been a blast and i'm really looking forward to meeting you in person and and doing some good work together I appreciate it. I'm really pumped about it. Absolutely. Yeah, Kenny, I couldn't thank you enough for coming on for the first no. podcast. I know you're no. you're a very busy man, and especially being in the heart of New York City, you have a lot going on. I appreciate so. it, bro. Boys, thank you so much. You guys keep killing Thanks it. Thanks a million. Keep it, let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Right, Will care. do. Take good care. Thank you.